The stage is dark, but the conversation is just beginning. Welcome back to the Utah Symphony's Ghost Light Podcast, a behind-the-curtain look into the world of classical music and the artists who make it. I'm your host, Jeff Counts, and I am thrilled to be joined today by Grammy Award-winning vocalist Patty Austin. Welcome, Patty, to the show. Well, hello, everybody. It's great to have you with us. You've had an incredible career with numerous awards and recognitions. I love that as part of your journey, you've celebrated the music of Ella Fitzgerald with two recordings since 2002. And I can't imagine how many concert live performances of her music you've done. Can can you describe what she's meant to you personally as an artist? That's a good question. Um, I don't really know how to answer that. You know, I've been influenced by sufficiently blessed let's put it that way to Mm -hmm. be influenced by uh some of the greatest innovators in music from a very very early age and from a very personal standpoint um i didn't really know ella i met ella uh when i was in my i guess 30s It was was in the 80s. We used to participate in a fundraising event every year for Rosemary Clooney, who was actually a mentor of mine Mm -hmm. and was really the reason that I was singing a lot of Ella's stuff. But I got to meet Ella at this uh, fundraising event every year to the point that it kind of became a running gag with us. By the third time we were introduced, we started laughing and pretending we did not that we'd never met. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Because every year we would get introduced because people did not know we knew each other. They wouldn't suspect that we would know each other. We were kind of in different ends of the music industry at that time. Sure. And when I was doing that fundraiser for Rosemary, I was, as she once called and told me, you're the youngest thing on the show. I've got to get something on here other than old farts. Can you recommend anybody (laughs) from me? from your peer group yeah. uh, to, to participate. The, the, the show is called Singers for Songwriters and it honored four composers, one posthumous and three living. And uh, the year that she asked, asked me to help her cast the show with some younger blood, uh, they were honoring Michelle Legrand and I recommended Michael McDonald because mm-hmm. selfishly I'd, I'd always wanted to hear him sing Windmills of Your Mind, mm-hmm. which he completely destroyed. He was brilliant. Oh, that's great. And and Michelle loved it. And um, so that's how I, I I got to know Ella at all. Uh, when, when I was little and listening to all kinds of music, because my dad was a jazz musician right. and he listened to absolutely everything from Stravinsky to... Uh, to Ellington, to Patsy Cline, mm. to uh, just everything. He listened to everything. Tito Puente, he listened to everything. He was conducted by Sousa uh, when he went to high school uh, in Pittsburgh. No kidding. Uh, and he loved march. Therefore, he loved marching band music and drum, drum and bugle corps. And so, I we heard everything in our house. <laughs> he, he played the trombone. Your dad, right? Yeah, he played yeah. all of the trombones, and yeah. and uh, we also discovered uh, later on that he played fabulous harmonica. Wow! Uh, but that was a whole. That was because he came up at a time when big band musicians had to be very versatile. They didn't just play; they had to do choreography. They had to sing along, and and they had to play other instruments. And so, as a result, he was he was pretty proficient in in harmonica, but. Because of all of that musical background, because Dinah Washington was my godmother and Quincy Jones is my godfather, mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of hard for Ella to get anywhere in there. Sure. 
Sure. <laughs> I was I was getting some major training from from Quincy and Dinah and Sammy Davis Jr. and Ray Bulger and Elaine Stritch and I mean the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So I didn't really get into Ella personally until I got to meet her that few times in that five year period we did our benefit. But I listened to her for sure when I was younger. But right. my focus, because of, again, because of my dad, um, was to listen to instrumentalists to get my ideas for vocals mm-hmm. because he was very um, proficient in the bebop tradition. Right. He was about teaching me that what you want to do with your voice is make it sound as much like an instrument as possible. Uh-huh. So so I spent a lot of time listening to to Dizzy and Charlie Parker and 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 Miles, you know, really love Miles and, and what he did and the way he phrased and and all of that. And the joke is that that's exactly what Ella did. Right. Absolutely. Uh, with, a lot of people said Dizzy. that about her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dizzy taught her how to scat. Right. He would. And and I knew Dizzy, and he told I heard this story from him personally. I heard it from the horse's mouth, but it, it's also been written about extensively. That he would play phrases for her, and it, it, he told me it did not matter how long the phrase was; it could be like the length of a song. Yeah. And she would sing it back note for note. Oh, that's she would incredible. Dictate it back. Yeah. And and she just had this amazing talent. So uh, I tell I tell a story in in my Ella show uh, at the end of the show, uh, which uh, every all the stories I tell are true. I cannot make stories up because I can't remember them if I make them up. So I can only <laughs> tell the truth. Yeah. And and I decided that I wanted to find one of Ella's most complicated scats, and um and memorize it and do it syllable for syllable because uh, people don't realize what proficiency it takes to scat. It's probably the hardest thing you'll ever do as oh, a singer. I can't even imagine trying it myself. Or, or as a musician, because you're, you're first establishing that you know the melody, right. and then you're, then you're making that melody your own. Right. But at, but at 9,000 miles an hour going backwards down a hill blindfolded. So, <laughs> that's a great way to describe it. That's how I describe <laughs> yeah. it. And, and so I decided to take one of those... Uh, magnificent incandescent moments and ella had millions of them listening to all kinds of scat solos that she did through the years and found this brilliant one and memorized it and was singing it for some friends and they all said oh you're doing that charlie parker solo oh all right (laughs) and i'm like what do you mean they said that's the I said, this is Ella. Ella did this in, in, in Berlin, and it's it's magnificent. She does this whole scat thing. And they, yeah. they said, yeah, she got that from Charlie Parker. She's doing literally doing the Charlie Parker solo note for note. Incredible. So, so ironically, I say to the audience that this is me doing Ella doing Charlie. Because- <laughs> It's the yeah. best. It's the best form of flattery, though, isn't it? To imitate, I, you know. Well, yeah, I get. You know, I mean, it just ended up being like this incredible double whammy. Absolutely. And, and, and making a complete circle. Uh, kind of back to what, you know, the words my father said, you know, uh, listen, listen to the instrumentalists and, and in in that place, you will find your place. Yeah. So I was less about listening to Ella and more about listening to who she was listening sure, to, sure, to, sure. to get her chops together. And when I, you know, I do a lot of master classes. Well, let's say I do as many as I can in my crazy schedule. And I always tell my 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 babies, um, you know, stop, don't listen to uh 
Don't listen to Aretha. Don't listen to Ella. Don't listen to Carmen McRae. Listen to instrumentalists and then go listen to them. And you'll find out who was influencing them. Maybe the, maybe the message is a little more clear when it's indirect. It's not your own voice speaking to you, but, but one from further back. I think that's really interesting. Yes. And, yeah. and also all singers have to find their voice. Right. You know, nobody right. starts out having their voice. Right. Everybody starts out loving someone else and and paying them homage with every note and then you start to get a little more life experience and and things that you can express better and things that you're more comfortable with revealing because when you get up on stage to do anything you are going to be revealing yourself sure. or some aspect of yourself for sure so it takes it takes uh i say it takes a uh, uh, craziness you know i think we're all by i think anybody that gets up on a stage is bipolar to begin with <laughs> yeah we, we all belong to the bipolar club and that's it you know and, yeah. and uh, we're all a little bit crazy and that's part part of the fun and the craziness is saying hey look at me look what i can do absolutely <laughs> i'm over here doing what i do can you do this no you can't nah, 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 nah. look at me <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got one more ella question to ask you yeah and then, and then we'll talk more about you but it's no secret that one of the reasons utah symphony is having you come out is because it's it's an ella celebration year she would have been 100 in 2017 yes. and you know you've got a new tribute and well album. i know it <laughs> yeah you've got a new tribute album because of it and you're, you're probably doing this show all over the place and I wonder what you think of the state of her legacy in 2017. It's, I mean, we live in such a noisy time of quick inputs and short memories. And how do you think Ella as a legacy and a concept is doing at, at this time? Well, it's, it's, that's a funny, you should ask that. <laughs> um, and, and I haven't, by the way, we have not finished our, our second Ella tribute, which we've changed. It, it's the title has changed 10 times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the release date has changed 10 times because I'm on the road doing right. all of this Ella stuff. Doing the show, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, Okay, exactly. so that's to come. It's not finished. Okay. And it's not out yet. And when it does Good. come out, uh, which we're hoping it will be out uh, no later than September, but most likely August. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's going to be called Ella Tunes. Aha, uh-huh. I love it. Not to be confused with Looney Tunes, right. but by the yeah. time we're done, it will be for me. <laughs> but uh, and I just finished my vocals on it, and they're just starting to to do fi- final mixes as as we speak. Oh, great! But the interesting thing about the question is that I've been doing this Ella show, um, which is now a combination of my old Ella show that I've been doing like the last twelve years, and uh, with the new stuff that we've done uh, from this new record, which Gordon Goodwin has done all the arrangements for. Mm. And, and Gordon and I have uh, fell into a marvelous uh, uh, musical heaven, uh, very much of like mind and like spirit. And I have many stories to go with that, but I won't get into any of them now. But bottom line is I've been doing this show, as I said, that's a combination of the old stuff and the new stuff we're recording. A lot of what we did on the new album comes from her Chick Web catalog, which most people don't cover at all, because mm. it was really her teen. Those were her teen hits. Right. People don't know she had hits when she was very, very young. Right. And and they were with Chick Web, and they were what we now call novelty records. But they, they, you know, I I compare her to Britney Spears because she was she was sure. a pop star. Sure. And and uh, so nobody ever covers that. So we've covered that. Uh, it, and and made it my own because I never tried to copy the style of what she does. It's about paying homage to the body of work, which was just 
beyond yeah. <laughs> breath. It's it's a tribute, not an impression. Exactly. Yeah. And and but we've been doing it all over the world. And what has been very interesting to me, I just got back from Australia and did the show with James Morrison, who's a brilliant uh, uh, horn player, mm -hmm. well, everything player. Yeah. And his, uh, a lot of nepotism going on when you work with James. His sons are his rhythm section, so <laughs> therefore they were my rhythm section. Sure. And they were quite the rhythm section. And uh, there are a flock of young, intense, uh, happy, proficient, skilled musicians, jazz musicians, young guys coming out of Australia and New Zealand. Really? Ha ha. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And some of them are going to school at Miami University uh -huh. and with, with the fabulous Shelley Berg, uh -huh. who is the president of the music department there who I'm about to see in Aspen in a few days right. because we're going to do an Ella tribute there before I get to you guys. Right. So I'm doing lots of Ella tributes and a lot of the gigs are also festivals. So festivals mean families. And I see uh, again in Australia, New Zealand, Europe, uh, Asia, people come to concerts with the whole family. You see the grandparents, the parents and the, and the children and the grandchildren, literally. Uh, especially if it's like lawn seating, you know, I did a, a big festival in, in, um, uh, uh, I'm, I can't remember exactly where it was in New Zealand, but in New Zealand, yeah. uh, uh, 40,000 people spread out on, on a lawn and little kids jumping up, leaping about like little gazelles, the minute that they hear a tisket, a tasket. So that's my very long winded way of saying the music lives. Yeah. Uh, people absolutely love it. I just did a, a, a one of those lawn things in in Kansas City for Memorial Day weekend. Again, fifty thousand people spread out all over the place with the with the wonderful Kansas City Symphony. Right. And, and we we forced them to swing. And they swung against their and, will, maybe, but they did, it. you know, against their will, <laughs> yeah. and which is also tremendous fun because um, and I've noticed over the 12 years that the orchestras have become much more proficient at playing uh, the American songbook. Sure. Which ironically, the all of the European symphonies do with great panache because they mm -hmm. they study jazz. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's a part of their music programs right. in all of the schools, right? And and even more than it is in the states, we tend to take everything we do for granted. Yeah. You know, we take jazz for granted. Oh, it's yeah, it's already here, and everybody died for it. So okay, mm -hmm. let, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now what's happening now? What did Beyonce say today? Yeah. So it's it's it, it it's difficult to get attention, but it's so good, and we have such a wonderful new injection. Uh, again, I refer back to my teaching. I am seeing uh, and hearing really talented singers now singing yeah. in the genre. And and my joy is to teach them the genre to keep it alive because it can die easily, you know. And, sure. and uh, e even if it is cold water, he too can pass <laughs> yeah. through the, the way our culture is now. You know, anything can get mashed up. <laughs> Uh, to mush yeah. with, with everything that tries to take our attention and our focus. But for some reason, this music seems to s still inspire 
uh, great emotion from the people who grew up hearing hearing it to kids who are hearing it for the first time. I have kids come backstage after the show. Their parents bring them and they look at me like I like they're seeing Mount Rushmore for the first time. Sure. And and they just freak out. And I always I kind of tease them. I go, what are you doing here listening to this old people's music? And they start <laughs> laughing. I did you like this? Stuff? Yeah. That, that, and that song you did that that one song you did about blah, blah, blah. You know, they have yeah. a, a favorite and it's they're six years old. It's they're incredible four to years hear. Old. They're 12 years old. They're yeah. 16 years old. They're, you know, I want to be a singer. What do I do? Who should I listen to? The, so these questions are still being asked. So that means the next generation is up for the game. And yeah. and like I said, there's there. You know, you look at at some of the uh, the talent that's out there now. You look at look at a group like Snarky Puppy, and you look at uh, Dirty Loops, and you look at Layla Hathaway, and you know. Uh, um, uh, there's just a lot of new, young, mm-hmm. vibrant, very, very proficient musicians out there. It sounds like taking the, taking the music and just kind of like stretching it like silly putty. Yeah, and that's what's great about the form, right? The genre is that it's so flexible. It sort of can, it sort of demands flexibility. It's, it's it, it only it survives does, through it. it. Yeah. Yes. It yeah. seems like the message you're getting from from Australia, New Zealand, and Kansas City, and everywhere you've been going is that <laughs> is that Ella matters still. You really matter, and the music itself matters. It's it must it be is, very gratifying. It is so fun. Yeah, I cannot. I've never had this much fun with all of my clothes on in my life. <laughs> it is just the best. It's the best, and and I've met incredible people, and I've worked with amazing musicians. And uh, I tell you that the spirit is there. And I, and, I, and I can also tell you that for a while it wasn't. Yeah. There was a slump yeah, sure. that we went through. I would, say, I would say the energy started rebuilding when Esperanza Spalding mm-hmm. artist over, uh, um, I can't remember, somebody really stupid. I can't remember <laughs> either, but that was, a, that was a moment. Yeah. <laughs> It was like, oh my God, yeah. music lives. We'll be okay. Absolutely, we'll be we're gonna make it. You yeah, know? and it's kind of the beginning of a wave. And then you know, I I look at the an issue last year uh, in Vanity Fair, like a twelve page spread of all the hot young new uh, jazz musicians coming up. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 getting a, a a second wind. It's expanding again into another form, uh, and. I think that the Great American Songbook is kind of our Bible, and the rest of the world certainly perceives it as that. That's which is also interesting. Right. The rest of the world reveres this genre: the Ella Fitzgerald, the Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. the Great American Songbook, the, the Cole Porter, the George Gershwin. They are all over this. Yeah. To them, that is the American classical music: Duke right. Ellington, Count Basie. Right what I call classical jazz. You know, Stravinsky certainly thought so. Your dad knew that. I mean, he... Yeah, how about that? He listened to that music with a very keen ear and implemented it in so much of his music after the 1920s. I mean, it's it's amazing to hear those influences come to life in his sound. Nothing like waking up to the firebird. (laughs) (laughs) You probably did a lot, I imagine, if your dad loved that music. Sometimes I hear it in my head in the morning when I wake up and it's not even playing, you know. 
Well, because, you know, the da, 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 of, da, da. Of know, course. That's, that's of course. Talk about my, you were asking me, my, what did I have for breakfast? That's what I used to have for breakfast when I was... <laughs> A baby, so the firebird. No yeah. wonder I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mentioned um, you mentioned Rosemary Clooney before, and you called her a mentor. Yeah. And I think that word's important because you have a wonderful mentoring organization called Over My Shoulder. And I'm curious how that effort began. Did it spring from your work as a performing artist? Well, that's that's kind of why. Yeah. You know, the, the fact that I had Dinah and and. Uh, and Rosemary and, and another lady I was talking about the other night uh, to, to some friends of Patrice Munsell, who mm -hmm. was a marvelous opera singer, who was actually able to sing pop music with some proficiency. And if you will recall back in the day, if you were on Ed Sullivan and she was one of those artists that was frequently on Ed Sullivan, you would uh, and you were an opera singer, you were forced <laughs> against your will usually to sing some kind of a pop song. Yeah. And and it was usually not good. <laughs> it was usually, but but it was good for a laugh. And and but Patrice would actually go on there and 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 do both really well. So she had a summer replacement show, and I used to be on that show with her when I was a little girl. That's great. And yeah, and and so th those kinds of people were always pulling me aside, telling me something amazing. Mm -hmm that maybe didn't make a whole lot of sense at the time, but made a lot more sense with time. Sure. And, and uh, so I, I kind of had a very heavy background in being a men, a, a mentoree. Yeah. And, and uh, I was talking about that in front of a friend of mine who was working with my manager and um, long story short, she stopped working in the entertainment business and went into the interior design business. And my, avocation is interior design oh interesting but i had never talked to her about it and uh we remain friends through the years and she moved to boston and she works in stone and tile and she's like the number one person that does that kind of work there and uh we were somewhere and she saw something i was working on for a friend for an apartment and she asked if, uh, who was the designer that was doing my friend's apartment. And I said, I'm doing my friend's apartment. She said, you do design. I said, that's like my, my hobby. That's my joy, my other joy in life. So she said, Oh my God, this is crazy. You sing and you do this too. This is nuts. Hmm. And, and, uh, she said she went home after she found out that I did that and kind of started thinking about a conversation she overheard me have with someone when she was working as an assistant about mentoring, about mm -hmm. being mentored. She said she'd never heard the word before. And for some reason, uh, because she saw my design work, she thought it recanted that conversation to someone and decided to look up mentoring. She still didn't know what it meant. She looked it up. She was like, wow, I need to, Patty needs to have a mentoring foundation. <laughs> so the next thing I know, my friend Dawn Carroll calls me and says, I'm starting a, a, a mentoring foundation and we're going to combine the energies of the design world and, uh, and music. I said, well, you figure that out and get back to me. <laughs> right. Seems natural enough, but probably is more complicated than I realize. Well, it, it, it's interesting because we kind of do what, what we see needs to be done in that world. Right. There, there's an interesting competitiveness between 
uh, mentoring foundations that we find absolutely ludicrous oh, yeah. and ridiculous. It prevents things from happening to help people move forward. So we do a lot to uh, uh, to try to get organizations to work together. We do a lot to get scholarships for kids uh, who want to make music to go to Juilliard or Berkeley. Mm -hmm. uh, since we're stationed in Boston, we're obviously pushing Berkeley and I'm very connected with them and I have a honorary degree for, uh, doctrine to, from them. It's a pretty and, good school. I think you can feel comfortable pushing them. Right? <laughs> Not too shabby. Not too shabby. And, and they keep putting out some really great young talent. I, I tell you, yeah. I, I love going to that school and raping and pillaging because <laughs> <laughs> let me see your sophomore drummer. You know? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely amazing. And uh, so we and we have a lot of people in the design community in in Boston mm -hmm. who found out about my lust <laughs> and and they are mentoring me in that world yeah and they're also helping to finance students who want to make music and uh, uh, because a lot of a lot of designers are frustrated musicians <laughs> I, I have discovered and uh, so the, it, it's it's become a really fun thing and we We've we've really been able to accomplish uh, getting a few kids to school, and I mean every every person that we help is is just so rewarding. Oh, that's such it, a wonderful thing! And it so, sounds incredible. It, it sounds like an amazing. We, it, it sounds it, you call it your avocation, but it sounds like something that could easily be your whole life if you let it. Well, we t we talk about. Uh, uh, they have an event that that they hold every year where they honor the top designers in mm -hmm. in the community there in Boston and and I usually host it and uh I'm I'm always talking about the connection between creating music and creating design mm -hmm. and and having the same ultimate goal you're trying to get people to to uh live in a space you know when I get up there and sing a song I'm trying to take the audience on a journey so that they will uh, feel whatever it is I'm singing about, because I think the best thing you do as an artist is get people to access their feelings because most people don't really know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And if they do, they, they, they have a more difficult time doing it in public because you're sitting in an audience. But the idea is to get everybody to just give all of that up. Yeah. Cause that's when we really connect and that's what music is for. And, nothing but white walls and then somebody with a with a creative mind says okay we're going to turn these walls let's do the ceiling gold and let's put like a nice patina on the walls and then boom 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 and you walk in and oh my god i want to sit down in this room i want to be in this room and you should feel the same thing when i start to sing a song i want to hear what this is what this story is going to be and where it's going to take me so they're really connected in a, in a in an interesting way well, we're, we're going for the same we're, we're ultimately trying to reach the same thing we're trying to reach the heart of whoever we're creating for Patty, so that's I, what the foundation does well it sounds incredible and i think you just inadvertently mentored anybody who listens to this podcast because that's that's <laughs> that little treatise on how to the right way to make art is is very beautiful and i think it's a good place Aww. it's a good place to end our talk and let you have the rest of your day back i wanted to thank you for taking the time I we're, we're all very excited to have you in Utah. Can't wait to hear the new record. And most of all today, thank you so much for being a guest on the Ghostlight Podcast. 
Well, I can't wait to get there and, and hang with my folks because uh, I have worked in this marketplace before and I right. love the audience. And uh, so we're going to have fun. I guarantee fun. Everyone That's is all. so thrilled to have you back. <laughs> well, it'll be great to get back. Thanks so much, Patty. Thank you. The Ghost Light Podcast is produced and edited by Chad Call. Utah Symphony Utah Opera season sponsor is the George S. and Dolores Dore Eccles Foundation. <laughs>